Hello, welcome to episode 126 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and him, Renfrey Deadman. Morning, Renfrey. Uh, afternoon, Steve. <laughs> you put oh, me yeah. off a little bit. <laughs> we are recording this in the afternoon. But uh, good morning, good afternoon, and if I don't see you, good evening or good night. That's... Fuck, I fucked that up. Truman Show, yeah. hello. Hello, everyone. How are you all doing? Uh, is this the first proper show we've done of... 2021 it is isn't it i suppose it's the first review show we've done of 2021 yeah mm. um mm. and uh we are t- it's kind of a little bit of a weird one there's i think we've already expressed this before but there isn't an awful lot i say there isn't an awful lot going on in the world of music but that's not strictly true when we go to the news but in terms no. of releases i should say um we're so we're looking back at some uh stuff that we missed at the end of last year and we've got yeah. uh, an album from last week as well do you want to say we have we're so we're doing the latest albums, although they're not as new as they usually are, like you say, Renfrey, new albums from Paul McCartney, Deftones, Dirty Nil, and Cazador. <laughs> so a couple from, you know, the end of last year. And like you say, Dirty Nil were like, Happy New Year. Here's a new album yeah. on the 1st of January. Good lads. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that in a little bit. Before we continue, Happy New Year and thanks very much to our buddies over at Signature Brew. Yeah, you know the ones. It's now been a decade nearly. This year marks a decade since Signature oh, yeah. Brew formed as a company. 2011, they started brewing music-themed beers from the heart of East London. I think that's fair enough. Yeah, I think they're music-themed yeah, you know, well, they've done stuff with Shikari and Mastodon and Mogwai and Sports Team mm-hmm. and JB Lenman mm-hmm. and the like. Many, many others. Idols mm-hmm. as well. The Darkness polished off my Darkness um, festive beers over the festive period. Really In enjoyed fact, those over the festive yeah, they're period, lovely. I have to say. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a Luftballoon. It was the Ooh. last... I, I, made, I, made a, um, I made a roast dinner on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is the last thing I'm going to have of chocolate of crisps of sweets mm. of sugar of coffee of alcohol this is the last day on sunday and then i fucked my back up while i was making it as you know so i've got a heat pad mm-hmm. on at the moment mm-hmm. we've done this uh, we'll talk about this on our, this is part of our patreon actually my yeah. bad back very uh, jealous <laughs> yeah and i had the last and I, it was absolutely delicious and i thought well i'm gonna come back to the last few signature brew beers i've got in probably the end of February, at the end of lockdown, and they're going to taste absolutely delicious. The Luft Balloon one, if I recall, is the one. It's uh, blue with some red kind of uh, balloony yeah. kind of shapes on it. Very interesting beer that one. How, what did you make of that one? I liked it. Yeah. Oh, it's it lovely. was crisp. Yeah. It was mm. crisp and full and mm. uh, flavoursome. And that that it looked like the front cover of the Weezer out the, the Weezer the Wheatus album. Yeah. Remember the We? <laughs> remember Wheatus. You all remember Wheatus, don't you, Teenage Dirt? Uh, we all remember Wheatus. Go and Google their first album, and it—that's uh, what the the can looks like. Do you think that's signature what Signature Brew, Brew were going? For? I think I, I think Signature <laughs> Brew is a company formed solely inspired by the band Wheatus. Careful, we are meant to be promoting them. No, like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyway, they're top top people and you can go over there uh, to signaturebrew.co.uk put the code riot act in the checkout and get 10 percent off all of your purchases you're not going to be allowed out of the house until they say february they're now sort of saying march let's be honest probably going to be july in it but uh <laughs> you can still have a couple of nice drinks while you're there sorry to bring the mood down right at the start of the year hey come on it's only the 8th of january i'm sure it'll be fine it'll fly by yeah 
so do that um also if you want some extra entertainment uh while you're having your 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 signature brew jinks go over to patreon.com forward slash right podcast where you can find a load of extra bonus podcast content that we have been doing for you sign up for the five pound a month classic album tier and you'll get two classic album podcasts a month now you will in january you'll actually be getting three in january yes. because we 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 delayed on the beatles white album mm. podcast for so long and i think if anyone's heard it you could probably understand why one album over five and a half hours that we spoke for on that one album we took a scalpel to all of the 30 songs mm. on the white album sincere, it was sincere apologies tough. To, sincere apologies to those who um were hoping to get two in december but we're going to give you three in january instead so mm. yeah so thanks as well if you listen to this really nice stuff people have said about the the white album podcast which i'm delighted about because yeah. it was daunting and difficult and all the stuff that i've already said about it it was it was it was hard man i think you were the most nervous i've ever seen you before recording a, a podcast actually there was a lot of mm. kind of um you're usually kind of like we press record and we get on with it straight away uh, but there was a lot of kind of dilly-dallying about before we started. And I was like, come on, Steve, it's going to be fine. It's just like every other podcast, you know. But, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it was a lot of, you know, just a lot of work. Yeah. And I think I said it at the end of the very, very final piece. Like, we have put some serious work into many of these albums. Stuff like The Wall, me doing a U2 double, right? Really wanting to get the Holy Bible right. You know, those are the ones that I sort of picked out and was like, I felt like I need to get those so right. But goodness me. The Beatles are a, a particularly at that time, it's just fascinating and beguiling and bewildering. And it's sort of every, it sort of felt like everything, everything that you possibly could be talking about within an album happened during that period of the White Album. The yeah. tragedy, the breakup, the music, the different styles, the surrounding context, the fact that we weren't even there yeah really so we're yeah. sort of doing all this like second third hand in a lot of ways it was yeah it was a lot but i'm very very happy with how it came out so go over to our patreon page you can sign up for that and on monday if you're listening to this podcast the day it comes out you'll be getting the second of the three we're giving you this month on renfrey's pick renfrey would you like to reveal what it is that we're doing the 1990 um second studio album third mm -hmm. album by jane's addiction a juanos addiction uh ritual della habitual which is yeah. fucking brilliant isn't it oh yeah, yeah i've got that on i've been smashing the vinyl because mm. I, bought, I bought it on vinyl about a year and a bit ago and it's quite rare on vinyl and it cost me quite a lot of money but man what a record that is sure it sounds lovely on vinyl yeah, yeah um i have been absolutely just i what a sumptuous brilliant brilliant record i'm really really mm. looking forward to getting into that i kind of i almost see it as a counterpoint to my pixies ones um in that the, the, those two bands two of the bands most responsible i feel for kind of like that shift to the alternative kind of music that we talk about now predominantly mm. um if you know if nirvana were the band who like broke the barricades down i feel like pixies and jane's addiction did a little bit of hammering beforehand to sort of weaken them definitely yeah. definitely that i mean that is certainly what we'll be talking about on that podcast also we're going to start doing the rioters reviews every week again mm -hmm. first one of the year went up 
on the debut album by 100 Gex, 1000 Gex, which ended up being nearly 70 minutes long, which yeah. was as long as we pretty much as long as we've done on almost any Riot Deers review. Funny, wasn't it? Got a hell of a response as well. Um, I suppose, uh, yeah, probably one of the most divisive bands we've ever talked about on this show. Uh, yeah, very, very, very interesting <laughs> chat. Uh, I don't want to say anymore, but yeah, uh, you can check yeah. it out over on Patreon.com. So the next one that we'll be doing on Rioters Reviews will be the album, uh, the what is it, the fourth album by the White Stripes, yes. Elephant? Yeah. The fourth White Stripes album, Elephant, just to give, you know, something a little bit more analogue and comfy and some <laughs> a nice comfort blanket for Renfrey to hold on to after <laughs> being forced to listen to 100 gecks. <laughs> I've been I've been sucking my thumb the entire time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be nice. Something something that sounds a bit more real, which would be mm. nice. Yeah. We also have a chat on our YouTube page that went up, which I've promised about ages ago, with Cormac Battle from Curb Dog talking mm. about all of his well the basically the career of one of my favorite and most underrated bands mm. of the 1990s yeah so you can go over to our youtube channel i don't know the exactly just put in right act podcast on the search in youtube and it will come up i imagine <laughs> yes i imagine that would work yeah um, yeah uh, <laughs> that will probably work yes good and you wanted to say something about the christmas single that we released this seems like a long time ago now yeah okay so um we released this uh christmas single wreck the halls this kind of medley of um a bunch of christmas carols with loads and loads of different bands on it um on christmas eve this year and we were doing it to raise money for a good cause aka the uh, a trust that the music venues trust have um uh, set up which is giving money to venues that didn't receive any money from the government bailout um earlier last year and um we have raised just shy of 500 quid um it was 473 pounds and 69 pence uh it's pretty good which we have raised as, as a result of that single so i just wanted to thank everyone who has listened to it who has bought it who has downloaded it uh we set it for a pound and some people have given really really generously to it like far more generously than they needed to so that's really really kind of you but to anyone who's bought it or listened to it at all thank you very much that money will be winging its way i'll be sending that money to them uh probably as soon as we've done this podcast actually it was a hell of an undertaking (laughs) to be honest with you and it was a tough thing to do but it's really heartwarming to see that we've actually i had absolutely no idea how much money we would raise from this at all but to see that we've actually you know made half a grand is um really a heartwarming thing to have done so yeah i just want to thank everyone for uh contributing um we'll keep it up there i mean you can you can uh, you can buy it throughout the year you could buy it in june if you're missing christmas Mm. um and um, go on go on say give us your fucking money Like the Bob Geldof of post rock. I've been trying to I've been trying to avoid being as Geldof as possible with this entire with this entire project. Um but uh yeah, it's it's um it's really nice to be able to feel like we can give something back. So um yeah, it'd be nice to get over if you haven't bought it yet, but you did want to buy it, it'd be nice to get just over five hundred quid. We're so close to five hundred quid. So if you do want to buy it, please feel free and obviously that money will still go like it it's yeah. it'll just all get poured into the 
into the fund that has been set up so you can continue to support that if you so wish absolutely definitely a very very good cause um that is it in terms of the hard sell it's a real shame that we have to start kind of an it's a shame but it's kind of inevitable that we start 2020 news wise with some pretty shitty news to be honest uh r.i.p to daniel dumile aka mf doom the u.s um based but uk born rapper and producer who died on the 31st of december age 49 after a battle with illness mf doom hugely influential in his field i feel um the from the the sort of the persona and backstory and character that he created with mf doom to the flow and the type of things that he was sampling um very unique and influential artist beyond the the walls of hip-hop as well i think i mean tom york was one of the musicians for example who paid tribute to him uh after the news of his death broke now much like the other person that we're going to be talking about in a minute who who sadly passed away i don't really think i'm the authority to be talking about mf doom and i'm i'm, I'm, cer- I'm go certainly out, not go, yeah. Go out, yeah gonna go yeah. on a limb and say that renfrey's not either mm. but at the same point um at the same time i mean i remember i was working do you remember mvc music video club i was Absolutely. working at music yeah, mvc in basingstoke in around 2002 to 2003 and um mad villainy came out it was 2002 or no, 2003 or 2004 i think it was sort of roughly and a guy who um i worked with used to put that album on quite a lot and i was really really i remember being hugely impressed with that he was really into hip-hop and he got me into quite a lot of like dilated peoples or something else he, he played a lot that i got into that i really liked but i remember him playing mad villainy and i was looked at the front cover and i thought this guy looks so cool like what an amazing vibe and and, and then the look, the look put, is so striking isn't it that so kind brilliant. of you know yeah. i mean i i'm i'm certain it's kind of based on uh, dr doom from the marvel yeah, comics is, yeah. you know but like it's such a cool look and it's something that even as someone who characteristically hasn't been into hip-hop music and stuff like i knew who mf doom was and i knew the face and it was a massive surprise he was only 49 mm. um so um yeah absolutely like the wicked wicked I, look and i i i was really impressed with it i think the thing that i loved about the record is that you look at the pictures of him and he looks so intense and so aggressive mm. and i expected it to be very much that throughout but it was so much more soulful and playful and right. and and subtle than than I kind of expected. Now, I can't, like I say, I can't sit here and pretend that. I mean, very soon after that, uh, I got back into metal loads again and just spent about eight years listening to metal and then sort of forgetting about a lot of stuff. So I can't sit here and say that I've kept up with MF Doom's career throughout the the years and everything. And um, it's actually Merlin at Metal Hammer told me to listen to the the last album we did i think was a collaboration album with scarface from 2018 and i'd never got around to listening back to it and i have put that on since because merle was like oh i think you'd really like that and it's it's great i mean he's it's just such such seems like such a brilliantly interesting sound collage that he created whilst having you know again a really distinct flow a really distinct timber to his voice um 
That oh, album, it's like that, that. album, by the way, is Scarface meets Metalface for those who yeah, are interested. Yeah, that's the one. That. Yeah. And, you know, I think, again, like in, it doesn't really matter what genre of music you're talking about. If you're someone who visually, vocally, and sort of sonically can make yourself stand out and be really recognizable from people, I think you always have to respect that. So it feels like. It felt feel, it feels like a keenly felt loss by like a lot of people that I follow, particularly people who are, are into or who are hip hop artists that I followed have been very very quick to call out just how important and influential MF Doom was. And like I say, we're probably not the the people to be able to go super deep in on that, but I think it's definitely worth pointing out what an influential character he was and everything I've heard of him. I think is great, and it's just very very sad to, to lose someone who is you know that creative i think he actually passed away on october 31st um 2020 but it was only announced uh at the end of the year yeah it's just a very it's it's a sad thing to lose anyone who is that age and would probably have had a hell of a lot more to give to give creatively he was clearly very very talented and very very influential Mm. and ditto Alexi Leho as well from Children of Bodom, who again, um, the Children of Bodom frontman passed away on the 3rd of January, age 41, after a battle of illness. I mean, a battle with illness, sorry. Um, great guitarist, a great character in a band that I, again, you know, I, I kind of dipped in and out of Children of Bodom without really being a massive fan of them, but I found Alexi Leho to be a really great part of the tapestry that made the sort of mid noughties metal scene, the kind of resurgence of metal interesting. If you put Alexi Leho in alongside Randy Blythe and Matt Heafy and Adam D mm-hmm. and so like Tara from Nightwish and Angela Gossow and even like Des mm-hmm. from Devil Driver, Before, yeah. you kind of put those people together and you're like, yeah, this actually there's, lots of different interesting perspectives and quite a lot of just star power in that. And I think Alexi Leo had star power. He had a real showmanship to what he yeah. did, didn't he? I'm not, I'm like you, I'm not going to pretend that I was a massive children of bottom fan. I watched them. Uh, I saw them live once supporting Slipknot and Machine Head at the Hammersmith Apollo and, you know, enjoyed their set, but certainly enjoyed Alexi's performance. Um, you know he was just he was all over the stage and uh lots and lots of showmanship almost in a sort of van halen-esque way uh you know i think really um very lots of charisma and um uh just just a really talented guitarist whether i was a fan or not you can't deny the talent that was um how talented he was as a musician certainly and as a songwriter mm. and um 41 goodness me <laughs> that's no age no age to pass away at all no again very sad re- terrible and and you know like are you dead yet was the album that was out when i sort of first really heard about them i think i'd probably heard about them when uh one of the early i think they got reviewed just before i sort of stopped listening to metal for a little bit in kerrang so it would have been hate was it Hate Crew Death Row? Might have been Hate Crew Death Row or Follow the Reaper. One of those two. Um, and I just didn't listen to it. It wasn't until Are You Dead Yet that I actually 
heard them. And that and Blood Drunk, you know, were kind of, I guess, their commercial peak. I think around the time Blood Drunk came out, you know, he was on the front cover of Metal Hammer. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were a, a, a front cover of Hammer band. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty incredible for... A death metal band. <laughs> for a death, yeah, a kind of melodic a very Euro, Euro-influenced melodic death metal band yeah. who came out at the time of new metal you know mm. to get so that is and and are you dead yet i thought was a, was a pretty good album i do remember getting are you dead yet and hearing hate crew death roll and thinking that was better and i know a lot of people would consider that to be their sort of magnum opus but again i wouldn't really be able to tell you what the best um the best children of bodum album is mm. and i think i probably only own one or i've only ever owned one or or maybe two of their records but yeah again i, I mean i saw them at wembley um uh, i've seen them a few times actually but i remember i do remember seeing them at wembley uh with was it with megadeth and lamb of god did you go to that 2015 do you know what i think i i, I did go to that but i think i missed i think i missed them i didn't get in in time for them mm. but um but yeah i was at that show because i did see lamb of god and megadeth together yeah. yeah and it was it was it was sort of like you'd look at them and you'd go like, oh God, you know, that they've seemed to have fallen quite far. Cause I think Silosis were on first and they were on at like quarter to six. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Children of Bodom came on and his little postage stamp sized thing. But Alexei was just giving it, he just, he, he gave so much. Like I, I can't sit here and pretend like it was a great set or anything, but he still played that half empty or third full Wembley arena. Like yeah. it was, you know headlining download festival so and we've you know, discussed I've, we've discussed many times in the past what a kind of um how difficult it is to support in an in an arena uh mm. venue particularly particularly wembley arena which is a horrible soulless you know like <sighs> shed <laughs> you know on the outskirts of london practically um and um but yeah i mean even even as someone who wasn't particularly a fan um seeing him back at hamsmith apollo probably it was on all hope is gone so i'm guessing uh the slipknot record so that must have been about 2008, 2008. so yeah. they must have been on blood drunk i'm guessing yeah um 2008 2009. i mean that's a pretty pretty heavyweight bill for the time yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 um, machine ed it was i mean you know it, it was a great show and i and i really i considering that you know i didn't i, I knew of bottom but i didn't know any of their material i still don't particularly know much of their material at all but um it was a really enjoyable half an hour and it was solely down to alexi's performance so Mm. Fair, fair play uh, and we we felt like we should at least acknowledge that sort of thing yeah i think like if if you're you know if you're like oh man it's you know you guys feel like you're kind of skirting around both of these two guys it's quite difficult i guess when it's somebody that you in, in both cases i think it's people who like me personally i hadn't listened to either of their music for a very 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 long time mm. and i wouldn't call myself a card carrying fanboy of either of them but i absolutely in both cases can appreciate and understand why they were held in such high regard and 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 there's actually there's a lot of similarities between there's a kind of weird amount of similarities between the two of them i would say not just in the fact that i listened to them when i was about 25 26 and then sort of stopped listening to both of them both of them had incredibly strong uh, visual aesthetics and incredibly strong 
um, uh, image and were very clear about the, you know, that they kind of brought something fresh to the type of music that they were, that they were making, whatever music they were making. And I think, you know, we, we needed to at least say that these two people, if you are a fan, you know, we understand totally why you would be crushed by these people not being here anymore. And at the end of the day, just because we personally aren't fans of their music doesn't mean that you can't acknowledge the talent of someone, you know, there's plenty Mm. of bands that me and you aren't fans of, but that we can appreciate and understand why they're important. And both of these people died far, far, far too early far 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 yeah. too young so yeah absolute tragedy and uh r.i.p to both mf doom and alexi Lehu. for sure um t- uh, r.i.p to iced earth's career possibly as well <laughs> uh john schaefer from iced earth appears to have been identified we don't this isn't gospel truth this isn't a definite fact that he been has reported. been mm. it's been reported there are pictures of a gentleman who looks a lot people like people who know more about iced earth than us mm. have said yes that is definitely that guy has been identified in the capitol hill riots in the united states that happened as we record this podcast yesterday so again i don't really know anything about iced earth really uh i know i mean if that if if true he's like a legit criminal now Congratulations to to him on that, if if true. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we're not a politics show. Obviously, we have talked about politics in the past, and um, that's our right to do that because uh, we're human beings. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, um, it's very seldom that we get to talk about this kind of thing. Um, it's an absolute fucking travesty really like what has happened and what has occurred this will cement in history uh trump's kind of position i think there are so many people who are who were on his side who are kind of against the way that this has been handled and you know we get to talk about it because some member of some band who we're not even vaguely interested in was potentially there uh, was very likely there by the by the looks of it um allegedly but um <laughs> yeah um what an absolute shit show to say the very least and then we have this are we still talking about iced earth or are we talk or are we talking about that whole thing i'm in talking general? about the whole oh thing right okay yeah i mean i think it's the thing isn't it i guess in in after this i in 200 300 400 years time when they report on the history of the united states I think now Donald Trump will be thought of as the worst president in history. I think I that's now how that's going to be written. I don't think it'll take that long. Um, I don't think it'll take long. No, at I'm just all. saying that forever now that will be. Yeah. As long as there are books to be read uh, and history books to be, because you know the victors get to um, write history as well, don't they? Yeah. People would argue, but in this case correctly <laughs> i think it's I, ve- I think it's very telling that people you know i watched uh, mitt romney's speech about it which you know mitt romney is not a man who i tend to agree with at all um but uh he was talking about how uh, a selfish man's injured pride has basically been responsible for the death of four people as a result of this i didn't really think we were going to talk too much about that situation 
I thought we were more going to just talk about Iced Earth, but yeah. I mean, I'm the just thing is, what I'm angry about it. Yeah, like, I'm well, it's, angry, it's, you know? it's very, very, very weird. And I mean, I, I think I spent a lot of time in the last year or so going, well, I never expected this to happen. Do you remember in 2016 when everyone was like, this is the worst. This is the worst year. <laughs> David Bowie died. Prince died. Brexit happened. Trump got in. It's a way it can't ever get worse than this. Yeah. Don't ever say that again. Don't ever say it can't get worse than this because it possibly can. Because this, this is, isn't it? Let's be, be honest. This is worse. Trump, and- Trump makes Bush seem reasonable, you know. <laughs> Like, Mate, he makes Ming the Merciless seem reasonable. <laughs> um, like, but going back to going back to Iced Earth, because I don't want to get on this too much, really. I mean, if 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 that's true, then you know, I mean, he'll probably be the most high-profile person that has done that. And you would imagine, like, I don't know, right? But you would imagine there would be some sort of something coming his way in terms of authorities going, you can't really do that, mate. Well, he has had, really he do has, that. He has had a ban on Twitter, Steve. So he's obviously, you know, Who? John Schaefer. No. Oh, oh no. Sorry. I was talking about Donald Trump. No, no, Stop talking about <laughs> Donald Trump for fuck's sake. Like, um, he would imagine you can't break into a government building like that. And uh, as a high profile, a semi high profile musician, you, I would thought, would have thought they would, you but, would like to think that the you know the authorities would have something to say about that you would like would, to think that yeah yeah, you yeah. Would like i mean i don't that. i don't know if that will happen i don't know what's gonna sort of happen from this i guess we might have to come back to this next week but he's weird he's a, like it just seems like an odd thing like even whether or not you politically agree with it it seems like an odd thing to do full just full stop doesn't it just to go i think i'm gonna spend my day during the middle of a pandemic going down to the big government building and just smashing a load of stuff up. And I I don't know. It's just such a fucking... I can't get my head around it, really. I think you can tell a lot about people by their reaction to people that they disagree with. And there are some people who moan and complain on social media or whatever when they don't... You know, there's lots of stuff about kind of Brexit, Ramonas and all that kind of stuff. But if you're... Um, if your reaction to, you know, to um, Democrat members of the Senate being uh, appointed is to go down and riot and um, break into the Capitol building, you are a cunt. Yep, that's pretty much, it's pretty much fair. I would say if if your reaction is violent protest in any way, shape, or form. If you disagree, disagree. Please disagree. You know, like have your voice heard, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But going down and violently protesting and something which, yeah, you know, I, I don't imagine anyone suspected or or uh, wanted this outcome, wherefore people have lost their lives. But that is what's happened as a result of those actions. So, um, mm. yeah, there should be some sort of remuneration, and whether there will be or not remains to be seen. But um, it's fucking foul it's fucking foul like and it's uh it's certainly not democracy you know kind of pissing and shouting in the wind and kind of going ah like you know all this all this bullshit about um lost votes and all this bullshit it's just fucking i'm fucking sick of it and to happen on my birthday as well 
not even our country either. Like I don't know, like I just sort of go, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that I hope that doesn't happen here. Yeah. Left a bad taste in my mouth, which uh, I'm sure it did. I had to I had to get rid of by eating lots of chocolate cake. Oh, Ooh. you lucky bastard. lucky bastard. Anyway, look, should we do some bloody reviews before we turn into fucking Daily before, show. Andrew, before Andrew <laughs> Neil comes storming on here? Andrew Neil's not welcome on this podcast, to be perfectly honest. Uh, anyway, um, let's start with do our first review of 2021. And what a way to start, Renfrey. Mm. Paul McCartney, McCartney 3, the 18th solo album from the Beatle. And the third part of his self-titled trilogy of records that stretches back to 1970, which is when the first one came out. The second one came out in 1980. All three of them have been recorded in Paul's home by Paul with him on all instruments on all of the albums. So, I mean, this time there is a contribution from Abe Laboreal Jr. and Rusty Anderson on drums and guitar, respectively. Both of those chaps have been in the McCartney solo band for some time now, so that makes a little bit of sense. That is only on one track as well. But overall, on this record, Paul McCartney plays 15 different instruments on the record and also recorded and produced it as well. Um, Just Linda McCartney did backing vocals on one and two as well, though. So there's also, like, it's a bit confusing because there are actually other solo albums in his canon where he has performed mm. predominantly all the instruments but let's just go with this is the third part of that yeah he does on this on this uh, record vocals electric guitar acoustic guitar bass double bass piano harpsichord mellotron harmonium fender roads synthesizer verlitzer electric piano drums percussion recorder and he's also the producer as mentioned and he wrote all the songs so you which know is, which that is, is great a lot of those instruments are played exactly the same way yeah <laughs> but but, but you still. know it's it, yeah exactly it's ra- mm. rather than like having to learn a new instrument it's just changing the sound or the patch on a on a synthesizer or something like that but, but fair still play. but it's still, not yeah. bad for yeah. someone who is like let's be honest super fucking old yeah <laughs> he's older than joe biden <laughs> Yes. He is. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Joe Biden's got, what, two weeks to live? <laughs> yeah, whether that apparently. be wh- whether that be natural causes or assassination, we don't know yet. We don't, we can't say yet, but it will be one of the two, I imagine. Oh, is it too early? No, it's never too early, is it? No. Yeah. Uh, God, this will sound really horrible if that actually does happen when oh, I'm sure it won't. God. Um, anyway, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about <laughs> Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. Now, it seems odd because I, I sort of feel like we're doing Beatles month at the moment because we've just done the White Album. And I think for the most part, we were very, very complimentary, if not always about the particular individual songs that Paul McCartney did throughout. And I think I think we might have said, <laughs> bar Ringo, you know, Paul McCartney's contributions are the ones that are the the kind of clunkiest throughout the, the the white album but there are moments on it where you go this this guy's a, a genius an undoubted yes. genius yes. so there's a, there's to a, go there's a strange sort of uh clunkiness is an interesting way to put it there's a kind of quite a lot of the throwaway tracks that we talked about would have a mccartney edge to them and he has mm. a kind of like almost i don't know um music hall-esque kind of 
jolliness to him. And, and I think that we it's, are drawn more towards Lennon and, and Harrison's kind of compositions. It's, generally. it's double thumbs up, dad dancing at a disco. Yeah, it, it, sums, it, it, it can be like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. then there are other times where, you know, Blackbird, for example, where it's just like, this yeah. is exquisite. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. And, you know, I, I, I can't, sit here and and what i was going to say was it's weird to go from the white album and stuff like blackbird all the way up to mccartney three to listen to those back to back i mean obviously there's 52 years in between yeah those records so obviously you know you're not gonna they're not gonna sound the same but it is weird to be like wow and then to get this uh and not have anything any of the context in between of course we've all heard a lot of the context in between. I'm not going to pretend like I'm a huge fan of Paul McCartney's solo material. No, neither am I. Neither am I. No. Um, or Wings. No. I've got a band on the run. Mm-hmm. It's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I will say it's interesting that we've done the White Album recently because some reviews have pointed out the similarity between McCartney 3 and White Album. And at first I was like raised an eyebrow a little bit, but I sort of understand it. Uh, Helen Brown from The Independent said McCartney's mood hopping rattle bag of a third solo album sounds more like a descendant of the Beatles White Album than anything else. Um, Does it? I think what she's referring to there is the fact that it is relatively broad uh it's not as broad as the white album i mean to be fair the white album has double the runtime to play with um but i you know i read that and i was like well yeah kinda i kinda i mean i i think it's a i don't think it's a direct hit but you're you're just about on the dartboard but you're not on the bullseye or oh, you don't agree with that at all? <laughs> I, I I absolutely do not agree with that in well, any way whatsoever. Well, let's I say think this. if you're saying you're taking that, there's 11 songs on here. There's probably, well, I think we worked out there's something like 16 McCartney um, compositions on the 30 songs on the White Album. Even if you were to take those 16 songs and compare it to McCartney 3, I still think you're pissing in the wind a little bit to be mm. honest I, I i i think this is a relatively diverse album mccartney 3 don't you think i mean if, it's relatively diverse relative yeah but it's relatively diverse in the way that paul mccartney is relatively diverse yeah yeah and yeah, in, yeah. in and in that sense this kind of is like this is kind of exactly what i expected it to be mm. really if i'm being honest there's nothing here that has surprised me there's some stuff that 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 I, it doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it, mm. but there's I wouldn't say there's anything here that really that I was like oh wow like okay cool like I can't believe he's done this you know there's nothing on here that I find un McCartney ish. That's really interesting because again I mean I, I'm not I'm not saying I agree with these reviews, but there's quite a few reviews which have said that there's really kind of experimental odds material on this yeah record. i i don't think that's true at all um i think it's a massively basic bitch thing to say <laughs> i think yeah okay if you're a casual music fan then looping probably sounds really like amazing and like experimental but you know if you actually know what you're talking about maybe less so um I, I, can i honestly say there was nothing surprising on it um i was a little bit surprised at bits and pieces i have to say the things that surprised me 
didn't surprise me in a pleasant way, which we'll get into later. Right, okay. Um, and generally, whilst I like to encourage um, artists to be experimental and do, um, you know, different things, I think the things that were least expected on this album were the things that were the weakest in my in my opinion which we'll get into in a moment um mm. but yeah i mean i certainly don't think it was probably worth saying now that this album was uh very well reviewed score of 81 on metacritic uh from taken from 23 21 sorry 21 critic reviews uh which is a very high score um shall we say now that is way too high <laughs> like for this record uh, absolutely yeah i mean i think that is that uh, you know that is really high yeah. and i i don't i don't think like you know this isn't a case of us being like oh the the broadsheets have got older something and they're saying how great it is and it's not it's crap we're not saying that no i just think that people were so excited by the idea of a new paul mccartney album that it feels like people have gone a little bit overboard for i i i completely agree i i like i i don't to to just to you know i don't want to spoil this totally but i don't think this is crap at all but but a score of 81 the majority of the reviews are kind of the equivalent of four out of five or eight out of ten there's a couple Mm. of nine out of tens and stuff like that and i mean that is balmy that is balmy. It's it's a mixed yeah. it's a it's a mixed bag. This record. Um, it's a mixed bag, and I, I think Paul McCartney as an artist, like he mm. because because he is. I mean, I guess the reason why I don't find it experimental or surprising really is because you know that, I think that that speaks quite highly of my opinion of Paul McCartney even in twenty twenty because yeah. I do I do think he's always been capable of doing i mean maybe it's because we've just been listening to the white album and that is so diverse but i know that paul mccartney is capable of writing uh, you know different types of songs yeah it's not a that's that's not a shock to me that paul mccartney's written an eight and a half minute long kind of jazz slow jazz ballad almost you know i i'm not surprised that he's he opens the album with a and it a basically a kind of instrumental shuffle beat song and, and actually to start off on the I think Longtailed Winterbird, which is the opening song, I think it's good. Like yeah. I actually, it's got a really, you know, it, it's it's not exper- again, it's not experimental, but it's quite, it, it's very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very. Um, I was going to say odd sounding. It's not really odd sounding, but it's very sort of. It's quite a unique sound of stuff. A five minute long acoustic instrumental song is not something that you get that much really is it well this is one of the songs which has uh, uh, a lot of looping in it you can imagine if he was mm. doing it live like you could absolutely loop this and build up all the layers and so on and so forth a lot of the a lot of the songs on on this they started with like one main instrument and then he would just add things and um bring in different pieces and and you can really hear that like that is a very obvious process that um he's gone through um i think long-tailed winterbird the first song of this record is one of the most unusual and experimental songs on the record but in the grand scheme of music <laughs> i don't think it's that experimental even though loads and loads of music critics are saying that it is um uh yeah i 
I quite like the I quite like it as an opener. It's got all those falsetto sort of uh, vocals and stuff, which are kind of cool. I think it goes on a minute too long, which is a um, uh, which is a criticism which will come up multiple times in this (laughs) review. Um, But you know, uh, but I think it is a nice way to start the record. Uh, and it kind of really... it sort of bookends the record as well because it, it kind does. of finishes with it a little bit as well. It, it would be better if it kind of totally did finish. Yeah. It, <laughs> but we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, yeah, it's really crisp and clean sounding. I, I I think the actually the acoustic guitar that bing you you feel like the guitar is in the room with you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's really yeah, yeah, yeah. clean sounding, and I really like that. And it's it's not a crushing when everything comes in. It's not massively bombastic, or and it, you know, like you say, it's not even really that interesting as a song. It's just so nice, and it's got a really cool rhythmic pattern to it that I enjoyed. And the kind of do what bits do make it sound a bit more like an actual song rather than a collection of ideas um i would say i would say in terms of like all that looping stuff and and bits and pieces like that like i used to do quite a bit of that sort of thing um when i was doing like acoustic folky stuff and so i kind of got into um a few of those artists as a result and i've heard much 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 better variants of it but i've also heard much much worse so yeah uh, it sits fairly squarely in the middle for me um, but I, I was I was sort of relatively like this is pretty nice yeah, and yeah. I quite like it I when it happened and it's really for me like when when this record falls down and why I think any kind of super high score from it can't really be that accurate is that when Paul comes in with the vocals that's often when the record falls down for me he sounds hilariously old <laughs> throughout this record um i think sometimes you know, that works though i think sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't on the next track find my way i think it doesn't work uh mm. it's um it's a pretty poor lyric I, you don't really go to paul mccartney for amazing lyrics anyway and anyone who does is a fucking idiot um but it it is a pretty poor lyric about being left and then right and then oh it's that's rubbish um uh, but he does sound really kind of old but not in a good way on that album like yeah, yeah. Dad, dad dancing with two thumbs up at a disco yes uh, and it's a very mm. very throwaway track and the first time i listened to this record with that song coming in as track two i was like oh my god this is going to be a very long 45 minutes if if, yeah. if that's your second track this is going to be a very long 45 minutes. I'm pleased to say, in my opinion, I'm really curious to know what you think of this. I think it improves things improve dramatically when both pretty boys and women and wives come in. And I think his vocal does work really well, well on those because women and women and wives in particular, which, by the way, is my favorite song on this record. Um, there's a world weariness in his voice, which I think only um elder people can kind of really take on uh which you don't often hear from mccartney but i think on that song in particular it suits him really well there are times where his world weariness doesn't suit him because when Mm. he's marrying it to something which is a bit more jolly and jaunty which is often what we think of when we think of mccartney type songs it doesn't quite work but women and wise has a bit of a melancholy shuffle to it which i think actually works quite well it's quite downbeat and isn't a common characteristic of his writing but i think where he is at this stage in his career i think it works quite well what do you think about it 
Uh, well, I just want to go. I think Pretty Boys actually was one of the examples where musically I thought it was quite middling mm-hmm. as a song. Um, and I thought he sounded quite creaky on it. I mean, I've put the the problem is is that he's not like Neil Young or Bob Dylan. No, no. Right now, Bob Dylan and Nick, we were both pretty. I think we were we were pretty keen on the Bob Dylan record, and we weren't. You know, we were like, yeah, the new Neil Young's all right because mm-hmm. Neil Young still sounds like Neil Young. Mm-hmm. Neil Young and Bob Dylan, as much as I like lots and lots and lots of their music they aren't great singers and i think i said this when we did the neil young thing is that they've never been good singers paul mccartney had used to have an incredible voice Hmm. an absolutely incredible voice and he doesn't anymore he's got a different sort of voice but he's not i think you could kind of say he's not really kept his voice with him through these years Um, you know and he is 78 so i can kind of understand why i don't think there's any shame in that at all but i think it's quite hard when you're used to bob dylan not sounding like not being a great singer and you accept it when you go back and listen to something like the long and winding road paul mccartney's vocal on it or or blackbird we spoke about blackbird earlier like he sounds amazing on it i mean even if you go back to some of the real real early Beatles stuff which i'm not even that fussed about particularly myself but you know he sound he's always sounded great he's got a he had a great voice and he just can't really carry it in the same way anymore and i think it does make more sense for him to do something like women and wives which i think is composition wise i think is really good yeah really jazzy piano really loush yeah yeah and it, and and it's really good it's just it's just when he tries to hit the higher register and I I feel like you can hear him really stretching for that, and it, it just sort of falls down at that point. And I I, I, I I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But I kind of attribute it more to a kind of Leonard Cohen slash Nick Cave slash thing in that there's like a fragility there, which you know the the, the vocal is not perfect, um, but I quite like that about it because it gives a bit of character. I don't think he achieves it quite as successfully as say a Nick Cave or a Leonard Cohen. But for women and wives particularly, and to a, gr- a degree, degree pretty boys, not quite as much. But I think, I think it, it, I think he pulls it off. I would say. Right. I mean, I think he, I think he just about pulls it off. Okay. On 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 women and wives particularly because I think the song is really good. Yeah. There are a couple of points where it was like. It was like having a, it was like having a massage and then like oh, oh, <laughs> I've got a bad back oh, I'd love a massage. It's like having a massage and then someone accidentally pushes one of your pressure points and you kind of go ah. <laughs> you know when you're like or when you have a mouth like when you have a bite of a really nice sandwich but mm. you get a bit of gristle in the beef or something you're like yeah mm. and you just have to pull and that's sort of what it just sort of threw me out of it a little bit and I don't think you know Women and Wives is a good song yeah uh, uh, it is actually a good song there are not many songs I will go back to on this record but Women and Wives I might take out and probably will go back to it I I, mm. I really like that song I think it's really and, good I think, you know, it's sort of the best version of... I mean, Deep Deep Feeling is the one that people have talked about a lot. I think before we talk about that, I mean, Lavatory Lil is is sort of classic dopey Macca, isn't it? Classic dopey throwaway Macca, I would say. Yeah. Uh, mid-paced blues. It's, it's so slight, it's almost see-through. Um, I keep forgetting it's on the record, to be honest. It's just it completely I've, meh. I've put bouncy, twangly, fluff blues. <laughs> 
that's a great way to put it. There's nothing and strictly wrong with it, but there's nothing strictly right about it either. It just doesn't provoke a strong reaction one way or the other, really. Yeah, it sort of sounds quite silly. But I mean, what I would say is he, I mean, this ain't, it ain't good this, but he's got such a great grasp of melody yeah. that it really does stick in your head and it sort of frustratingly sticks in your head. And Lavatory Lil? Yeah. Mm, okay. It it, it 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 doesn't it doesn't in mine, but I I just think it's completely meh. There, it's two minutes. Oh yeah. Two seconds, mind. But yeah, I think it is. But I think you halfway through, you are like you've got the chorus in your like. As I'm, I'm not going to sing it because fuck that. But <laughs> it does stay in your head. I think it does at least stay in your head. I don't okay. want to listen to it particularly. Yeah. Um, and it's a weird to put that in between. I, I mean, I suppose it. <laughs> That is probably what they would have done on the White Album between Women and Wives and Deep Deep Feeling. They would have That's put exactly Lavatory Lily. Yeah, wouldn't they? Exactly yeah, what so, they would have done. It kind of yeah. it kind of reminded me a little bit of the continuing story of Bungalow Bill from the White Album. I think the continuing mm. story of Bungalow Bill is better, um, but yeah, it was just very throwaway and kind of like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. Hey, Lavatory Lil. <laughs> Look what you spilled. <laughs> no. um, so, yeah, I mean, Deep Deep Feeling feels like the one that people have spoken about a lot. And I have to say, on my first listen, I fucking hated it. Yes. I thought it was rubbish. His yes. backing vocals grated on me something rotten. Yes. I felt like it was way too long, so much longer than it ever had any right to be. It's eight minutes uh, and 25 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But there are parts on it that have made me thaw to it a lot more than i initially did we've had exactly the same yeah exactly the same reaction um i i i think i think up to this point in the record we've had a, it's been a mixed bag already i don't yeah. think there's anything that's been mortifying or embarrassing though which let's face it a lot of a lot of artists of paul mccartney's vintage would have had loads of stuff which is mortifying or embarrassing by this point so fair play for that i think deep deep feeling is probably the first time where there are things that come in which are kind of like oh maca please please mm. don't do that um to be fair to call this song embarrassing would be a tad harsh because it does have redeeming qualities to it i really like the uh the it's another kind of looped motify song in the similar vein to long-tailed winter bird there's some really nice bits like the slow hand clapton style guitar solo is very nice yeah the, some... the trade the trade-off between that and the piano parts yeah i think are, are really cool and that's one of the points where i actually went oh, okay well this is it's Paul McCartney that I'm listening to. Sure, sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And it has some very nice sort of James Bond-esque synthesized strings, which I really liked. I think the thing is, it goes on far, far, far too long, an absurdly overlong song. Um, and I think it only has enough good ideas in it to fill half that time at a push. Um, and it also, like, there's a slight, it's the first time in the record where there's a slight R&B flavour to it. You know, um, he's worked with people like Kanye West in the past and stuff like that. And this is obviously, he's obviously... I mean, Paul McCartney's always been an artist who looks around at what other people are doing and tries to do what they do. We talked about that quite a bit on the White Album. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything bad about that at all. And when you hear the phrase Paul McCartney going into modern R&B territory, that kind of sounds like a recipe for disaster. And I think it's, um, I think it's admirable that he pulls it off as well as he does, but I still don't think this is a good song particularly. I think it has a few redeeming moments, but eight and a half minutes, mate, mm. no, 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 no. It should be half that maximum, maximum. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that when you mentioned, you know, Kanye West, 
in conjunction with a, a song like this yeah, that it is very difficult not to be like you know but this this comes with a disclaimer by the way that like don't think for a second that paul mccartney is getting anywhere close to recreating the sound of like modern cutting edge r&b or rap no, in any way no, no, whatsoever no. i'm only mentioning i'm only mentioning Kanye because he's because they've worked together really yeah um, but i know what you mean like there is definitely that he's doing that oh you know the kind he's gro- it's a bit more groovy <laughs> you know what i mean he's doing that kind of thing and it is a bit yeah. like you know what a deep deep feeling it's like maca i think you yeah i think you you've always been and for a well, while i said always like for the longest time you've been pretty embarrassing as a person and which is you know goes with the double thumbs up well, dad it, dancing in a but le- in a nice friendly way not in a morrissey in, way not in a not in a no oh no yeah yeah just yeah. like just, like you're just, a bit of a bit cringy a bit like do you know what i mean just 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 like you, you, yeah an embarrassing he's father na- he, type figure yeah, he's yeah. naff isn't he he's, yeah. a, he's just a bit naff yeah. and deep deep feeling has moments between like great compositional ideas and just outright naffness over an eight and a half minute runtime i mean again the the lyrics the song is basically about sometimes i want to feel emotions and sometimes i don't you know and there's that repeated line the fact it's repeated is just like fucking hell but sometimes i wish it would stay sometimes i wish it would go away emotion uh, is is like naff <laughs> is the word it's and, yeah. and it's you know it's there's been things up to this point there's been things that i like on the record there's been things that i don't particularly like but this was the first one where even though it does have redeeming features i was like no don't do that why are you doing that and i will say it is one of the only points of the record it isn't the only point of the record well it's like that there's a far worse candidate later on um but Mm. yeah um i'm not surprised it's the one that everyone's talking about but i i don't it's not I don't think it's overall, despite its redeeming qualities, I, I don't like it overall. Fair enough. I can't argue with that. Um, sliding is the sort of thing that you accused Paul McCartney of not being that great at in our recent White Album special. Like, like big like, rocker. It's like a daily. Oh, oh, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a kind of, um, I mean, it's not like Helter Skelter, but. No. But the kind of the, the, the kind of the big rockier things, they're not really his forte. It's the we most, both sort of argued. It's the most rocky song on the record. I mean, let's not, you know, we're not talking about like fucking clutch or something like that. But yeah, there's no. a, there's a stompy kind of faint distortion, psychedelic feel to it. I, I think Slidin's fine. Uh, it's alright. It is, isn't it? It's sort of the sort of thing that you. I, I imagine it sounds like the sort of thing like he'd be asked to guest on on a Greta Van yeah, Fleet album. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fine. Like, I, it's it's nice enough, but it doesn't mm. do loads for me. Uh, and I was like, yeah, yeah well, fair enough. And then he rhymes "shake, break, and awake" in a matter of seconds <laughs> on "The Kiss of Venus," and I was like. This sounds like the sort of thing that you would be jamming out round at Bob Geldof's mansion. You know what I mean? Like you're going, oh, we've, Geldof, Chris Rea, and um, what's his name? The one who did Lady in Red. Um, uh, Berg. Chris DeBurr and Macca all getting together. Let's get the guitars out, guys. And no. Uh, <laughs> um no. just just to say something nice about kiss of venus i really took against it the first time i heard it um but i've wa- i've warmed to it somewhat i'm not totally convinced by mccartney's falsetto yeah i mean lyrically meh 
Um, I do, I do like that very unexpected, nice harpsichord solo uh, that pops in. Uh, there was a little bit of harpsichord that came to the White Album, which I really, really like as well, and I think it just sort of reminded me of that. Um, I, again, not a total thumbs up for me, but in terms of the song that on my first listen I really didn't like it at all, but by the sort of fourth, fifth, sixth, I was like, yeah, actually, it's got a few redeeming qualities. It's it's the one that's grown on me the most. I still don't love it, but I like harpsichord. <laughs> so uh, I, I mean, you know, uh, it's it's not a total thumbs up from me at all. But yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, then we got Seeds the Day, which is not as good as the Avengers Evolved song of the same name, <laughs> but it's again, it's okay. That has got a really classic Beatles Absolutely. McCartney vibe to it. Yes, yes, those higher vocals do crush it dead. For me, mm. though, again, those higher vocals when he's like, like that midsection is so good, though. The way he transitions through melodies, the way he moves up and down the, the keys mm. on the piano and stuff. It, and he finds those ways to sort of very, very smoothly go into different and very catchy parts of the song. Mm. He is still he's so good at that and th- and that does sound good i just it's the that high when he when he gets to the higher part i'm like you've gone too high paul you've got to come back <laughs> come back down i thought it had a very nice sergeant pepper's vibe to it this song mm. um i i not quite this the high vocals don't annoy me quite as much but i understand what you're saying um it felt to me you know, if you couldn't just slip this onto Sergeant Peppers and not notice it in its state that it's in at the moment, but it feels like to me that if it had been brought in in the in, you know with the Beatles and Lennon had worked a little bit of magic on it and George Martin had worked a little bit of magic on it, I feel like maybe you could slip it into Sergeant Peppers and it would work. So that's you know, which is a hell of a thing to say, really. Um, yeah. So I feel like it's a song which is like almost there, and because it reminded me of that era of the Beatles, which I particularly like, I really responded well to it. Uh, it's it is definitely mm. one of my favourites on the record. But yes, I understand what you're saying. I feel like it's a song which is ninety percent there. It just needs a little bit more input from someone else. But I do. I, I, I overall I like it. It's probably another one that I would put on a playlist to listen to in future. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, deep down is i think musically has got some good bass parts it's sort of again musically pretty it's kind of mor funk again the vocals are grating and the brass sounds it recorded like a, on a casio keyboard which <laughs> it, it might have been to be honest and when he's going like i want to get deep down i want to party every night while he's straining like he's trying to squeeze out a kidney stone <laughs> it's really <laughs> it's really not the best and again it is so fucking long it's so long this song well it's five and a half minutes but it feels like five and a half hours i think deep down is by far and away the worst song on this record and the most embarrassing um yeah it sounds like him passing a kidney stone is exactly right um this song alone is is why this out this album should not have been uh given as like high scores as it has been um it's absolutely i think it's absolutely dreadful i think i think you've been far too kind to it i think it's absolutely horrible this song it almost feels like he shouldn't write songs with the word deep in the title because deep down and deep deep feeling are two of the songs that are taken against the most on this record um i i think it's utterly embarrassing this this song but to give him credit only two out of the 11 songs I think are like proper embarrassing. 
which for an artist of his age is quite good. But then you might yeah. disagree. I don't know. No, no, I, 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 I don't think this is very good. I think the base of it is. I think I, the things I can sort of see what he's trying to do. It is like yeah. this kind of level forty two eighties mor funk pop and. Well, I, I thought I thought there might be a bit of a lot. I thought there might be a mo- bit of a modern R and B influence on this one as well potentially, or do you not? But see I think that? his like well, I think his idea of modern R and B is like, you know, the Supremes. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I think that's a little unfair. He obviously does pay some attention to what's going on outside. Yeah, but he's just so far. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, ugh, you're not gonna. I mean, it's, again, as much as I love you too, or loved you too back in the day, them going like, "Oh, we're gonna do a song with Kendrick Lamar." It's sure. like, no, don't do that. Yeah, don't yeah, do that. You yeah. can't. You know, you can't yeah. do that. Yeah, I, we are all for people experimenting and trying out new things um, on this show, but then at the same time, you kind of have to know your limits. And I think, yeah. I think deep down, like, and to an extent, deep, deep feeling as well, are, are two songs where mccartney overstretches what he can do like yeah massively to be like honest. i i love elton john right i yeah. don't want to hear elton john make a black metal album quite yeah 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 um exactly. you know i just don't think that and like i i love dr dre but mm-hmm. i don't want dr dre to make uh, sort of actually i wouldn't mind but dr dre made an 80s pop album actually would be quite good i don't want dr dre to make like, like a sort of string quartet album mm. Hey, I think that'd be quite good. I think I picked someone really <laughs> bad with Dr. Dre because he's just really good, isn't he? Um, anyway, Winterbird comes back um, at the end with When Winter Comes, three minutes and 12. Like you say, you kind of, it's a refrain from the start of Long-Tailed Winterbird, which starts the song. Yeah. And then it's just, just such a twee way to end the record. Yeah. So unbelievably twee. Very quaint. I just thought it was a bit of a shame that they decided to end the record like that. It's very McCartney uh, though, isn't it? Very it McCartney. Really McCartney. Yeah. I should have expected it really. It's a bit of a damp squib to to, to end it. Um, I suppose because it's not embarrassing, I don't think it's like the worst thing on this record or anything like that. But yeah, it's another one a little bit like um, Lavatory Lil or Find My Way Even where you're just like, eh, throw away, eh, fine, whatever. Blah. And thus endeth McCartney 3. <laughs> yeah, an album. Which... And we wait until... 20 will he still be alive in 2060 to make mccartney fall? <laughs> uh well some people don't think he's alive now so um no. no uh yeah an album which got nine out of ten in uncut um which is completely <laughs> ridiculous um it, it yeah. you know but like i suppose what is good about this is it, it could have been so much worse and, and to be totally honest with you i was expecting it to be worse than it is um and this isn't yeah this isn't a dylan in like rough and rowdy ways in that i expected it to be terrible and oh no it's actually really good you know um but i expect i personally expected mccartney 3 to be much much worse than it is and that you know for there to be songs on it which i would go back to only two or three admittedly but you know i'm i'm sort of pleased i'm happy enough with that at this point in his career um but yeah, uh, you know, scores of uh, eight out of ten, four out of five—that's just fucking nonsense. What would you give it out of ten? Um, six. Fucking hell. Okay. I give it four. Oh. I thought I liked it more than you, but I'd still give it four. I don't think there's any way you can 
really if you're you know if you're being super critical as i think you should be when being a critic um over 45 minutes there's not a lot of the time where i'm actually like i genuinely think this is good mm. there's bits where i'm like this is not as bad as i expect it to be i'm yeah. like you know, i put it on i thought this is gonna be rubbish and when i first listened to it i was like oh and it is rubbish <laughs> i don't i don't think it's rubbish i think four gives the people will be bulking at four and being like well you must really hate it no 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 two you hate mm. one you hate mm. four is this is below slightly below average mm. which is what i think this record is i think it's a slightly below average of its type a slightly below average record i think of the 11 tracks on it you've got maybe three or four that are actually you know women and wives is, is the, the fact that women and wives at two minutes 52 seconds is pretty much comfortably the best song on it mm. and yet i still was like oh and he's got a bit of a he struggles with the vocal a little bit on it i can't mm. even go what a great song I think there's nothing on here that that, that and Longtail Winterbird being sort of slightly interesting compositionally and even Deep Deep Feeling being having bits of it that are slightly interesting compositionally. Mm. I mean, even the stuff like something like Sliding, which is a throwaway rock song. It's a mm. nice enough rock song, but do you need that in your life? I don't think you need that in your life. And this is like, you know, I'm not mugging off Paul McCartney to say that you don't if you like Paul McCartney I mean if you like Paul McCartney you will probably quite enjoy listening to this but do you really need this does the world really need this record I don't feel like it does in any way I don't feel like there's anything here that really justifies anything higher than a four to be perfectly well, honest mean, to be fair there's there's plenty of um records that i adore that the world doesn't really need so i don't know if that's a, a wonderful criticism or no, not. no 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 well i'm saying <laughs> yeah but in the in the back catalogue and pantheon of paul mccartney's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. entire oeuvre mm. there is nothing here that won't feel like a just a drop into an ocean that people in 15 years time do you honestly think people will or 20 years time or whenever they come to write the obituaries of paul mccartney no one is going to be remembering or thinking about this record certainly no. not in a way they thought of like black star no, for example of course, not. Of, course not. of course so in that respect i just think it's something which will be everyone's going to go oh great a new paul mccartney oh listen to it. yeah it's good and then they will just forget it ever existed yeah of course and in that yeah. and in that respect you do go you know albums like that they there are there are loads and loads and loads and loads of them yeah. and you know they're not they're not something which nothing will change or no one's going to change their opinion about paul mccartney no one's going to adore this record no one's going to gravitate towards it and stay with it i don't i just don't think that that will happen i don't think it will no one's going to discover paul mccartney and go oh my god this guy's amazing and no one's going to listen to it and go this is so bad that i don't like paul mccartney anymore no exactly i mean that's the thing with it isn't it it's just very meh which is kind of why i you know sort of said six i mean i felt like i was being quite kind with the six i have to say yeah um i i i do think four's too low um so maybe i'd revise it to a five but i i I think it's it's fine isn't it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's fine it's fine Paul McCartney the, is fine the bits that are good are I, I I I like I say there are at least two songs maybe three that I might put on a like compilation of stuff that I kind of when I don't like a whole record I want to put you know want to hear those kind of songs yeah. on it. but but that's it 
everything else is just meh. It's by far mm. the worst record we're doing this week. Mm. I, I think it is, yeah. There you go. McCartney 3 by Paul McCartney. Um, it's been out for a little while, so I'm sure you've already heard it. Let's move on to something else that you've probably already heard if you're a fan. Deftones, Black Stallion, the second Deftones album from 2020, a remix album celebrating the 20th anniversary of the classic White Pony album featuring a fantastic set of collaborators and Mike Shinoda, Robert Smith, <laughs> Square Pusher, DJ Shadow, among some of the really big ones on it. We've kind of spoiled how great this is yeah. with our end of year specials where we mentioned that OMS might not even be the best Deftones album mm. of 2020 and the fact that basically both of us just bum whatever Deftones <laughs> do. So uh, we should probably, before we get into it, talk about remix albums as mm. an idea and an ideology. It's been, it feels like quite a long time since a truly worthwhile remix album has come out. Back in the day when you and I were buying CDs, Renfrey, there were a fair few. I mean, actually, you still buy CDs, so I don't know why. I do. I made As a, a matter of fact, that. I have my copy of uh, Black Stallion right here. So, yeah, on, Idea. on shiny CD. Yes, hello. Lovely stuff. It's not out on... Um, it's not out on... It's not out on vinyl. vinyl. No, it's not out on vinyl because vinyl production takes fucking ages. Um, and uh, CD right, production... Sorry. <laughs> just i'm just saying like, i'm just i'm just stating facts it takes a lot yeah. there's a big backlog with uh, producing vinyl but cds you can just mm. fart out <laughs> so I don't, think, back. I don't think it's out on vinyl till march or something like that april it's april fucking hell yeah, yeah. there we go it's been a while i say since the truly worthwhile remix album came out fixed by nine inch nails was one back in the day when I was sort of first getting into music, Remanufacture, the Demanufacture Fear Factory album was one that was, the hype surrounding Remanufacture was massive. Hmm. I remember people, this is the future, you know, kind of admit, like ignoring that they'd already done uh, Fear is a Mind Killer EP hmm. from Soul of the New Machine before that. But yeah, it was a big thing, Remanufacture. Bring Me the Horizon had the one that came out on the back of Suicide Season where they had a, oh, yeah, uh, they had a Utah Saints remix of, something i can't remember what song it was but apart from that i mean there was a few others one that were there like remind uh the not remanufacture i just said that the reanimation uh, mm-hmm. the lincoln park, and lincoln park yeah. the no 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 there was a lincoln park remix album before that was called collision course what you're thinking of oh is it Sorry. And lincoln it was called reanimated theory eyes or something i can't remember okay. anyway i never i never actually listened to that um but they, they don't really seem to come up much these days, do they? No, they were a massive part of um, 90s culture, I think it's fair to say. Um, I've never... And, and, you know, you have just named some very good examples of them there. But to be honest, um, the majority of remix albums were fucking crap. Um, they've more often than not, especially back in the 90s, I think they were more often than not like... The original song with a very thin electro beat over put over the top and maybe some bleeps and bloops and blah 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 which just made me want to listen to the original rather than an inferior remix um of the song that we got there have been a couple of outliers and i think also interestingly the um most of the best remix albums that exist are not official remix albums um since technology has got to the point where you can find stems of stuff and remix stuff at home i think there's been a lot of collaborate like bedroom producers who have done this work so much better 
than um than anyone else than any big names would have done and you know as a result i think it's kind of cool that deftones have um done this and i but we we heard about black Stallion. i mean black stallion has been on the lips of fans for years and oh yeah really some long cases. Time. people have known about this but like we actually were part of a online press conference uh around what was it june or july i think into in 2020 when they told us about this coming out yeah um and i was um curious about it but because of my general feeling on remix records as a whole i was kind of like well that's a curiosity that i will listen to probably a couple of times and then probably never come back to again um that has not come to to pass at all because um i've been listening to black stallion pretty constantly since we received the promo and all the way through christmas it's been the main soundtrack that i've been listening to it's been the main thing that i've been listening to and i'm really really impressed and i really really love hearing an album that i'm really familiar with and absolutely adore just reinterpreted into this warm kind of electronic synthy soup it kind of makes this very hard-hitting for the most part record um something very kind of ambient in a lot of cases not always there's some stuff like some of the square pusher stuff is quite crazy mm. and the elite remix by blank mass is pretty bonkers as well but quite a lot of this is relatively chilled and very very like warm warm synth sounds is kind of the phrase that keeps coming up again and again and again and i'm a bit a bit of a sucker for that kind of thing but i think the main thing that i really love about this is just how different some of these songs are to the original versions um stuff like the clams casino version of i've never really known how to say feet syria for syria the first song on white pony do you know how to pronounce that i have no fucking idea fetisseria fetisseria let's go with that feel free to correct us on the social medias (laughs) um we know you will um if it didn't have the opening guitar riff to kind of you know indicate that this is it is this song I, and and you played that to me and said this was originally a deftone song what is it i would not have been able to tell you what song it was like it's completely mm. different the version of um change the tourist remix of change in the house of flies is completely different takes little elements here and there and turns it into a completely different almost kind of trip hop type song and I really, I really love um, the songs. To be honest, I love all of this, but I really love the songs where they take the original and just completely fuck with it and completely change it to the and point. Fuck with it <laughs> to the point where it's um, completely unrecognizable from the original. I think that is a mm. really like when I think of remix albums, the majority of them don't do that aren't brave enough to do that not all of them there are definitely examples where they do but the majority don't um and i really really like that and admire that about black stallion that at least a third of it is very difficult to kind of pin down to the original versions i think yeah i mean well i think there's is a a mixture of stuff that is happening um on on this record and I mean something like Elite, the the you mentioned the blank mass 
version of Elite, I think is incredible. And I think okay. it's better than the original Deftones version on the album. Holy shit. I think shit. Elite is probably my least favourite song on, um, on, White, on Pony. White Pony. Really? Yeah. Yeah, just because it's like a heavy one that they've done. They've done that, haven't they? And I I think, you know, I sort of heard, I remember getting White Pony. I was like, they, they, they're good at that, but they do, they have done that before. Whereas everything else was like, what the fuck? This is crazy. It's diff, totally different. Um, mm. Elite, uh, but the the version of Elite on here, which has turned into this Blade Runner-esque chase through the city in like it it is amazing and i think there's not many times although it's interesting i think that you say they change them into completely different songs i think they do do that but i think the most successful parts of this record is when they change it but still keep as much of the original flavor of what deftones were trying to do with the song Hmm. in it so for example i've already sort of taken a piss out of him mike shinoda doing passenger and bringing in this kind of huge bombastic synth sounding bit over the top of maynard when his voice really swells but not but not forgetting that that riff that comes in at the end is killer and using that riff as well kind of changing everything apart from that soaring vocal and keeping the riff and that makes you go like oh yeah i forgot i'm listening to a song from white pony yeah. and it still feels like it but it's different digital I, bath I, dj well, bef- shadows before we move on from the mike shinoda one I've, I've seen a lot of people criticize this mike shinoda remix of passenger and i think mm-hmm. um they're criticizing it purely because it's mike shinoda i think yes yeah. which brilliant. is fair enough because mike shinoda's <laughs> in lincoln <laughs> well you say that though but like mike shinoda's done some really interesting work outside of lincoln park that film the raid he did the soundtrack to the raid and if mm. you if you know that film like it's it's brilliant it's really really good and the and he did that song by the knack didn't he mike shinoda well obviously obviously you really don't enjoy saying positive things about member a member of lincoln park and i'm no <laughs> i'm no lincoln park fan at all but to be honest the people who have um dismissed this remix of passenger i think it's just snobbery because i think it's easily one of the best remixes on this record i think it's yeah. really really good um it's it's sumptuous and beautiful and like you said those synths that come in during maynard's roll the window down you know and and the space that they leave between it um they they really bring out that performance so well and i i just mm. i love it like it is one of the more um you could argue it's one of the reinterpretations which is closer to the song but it but it works really really well so i i think yeah i think it's been i've seen quite a lot of that sort of thing and i think it's quite snobby to be honest yeah i'm i think it's i mean you know it's it's great that passenger remix i think it's, it's really brilliant good. but it, and it, yeah. it doesn't lose the completely lose the identity of the song no, whereas the something the like same. like tour the tourist remix of change the house of flies yeah. like you say you would have no idea yeah. that that is really really different and there's just bits of it that you go oh yeah this is death tones yeah. and i don't think you know that's not um that's not a criticism of it i think the the good thing about this album is when i think is when they managed to get that balance absolutely perfect so Mm. the dj shadow remix of digital bath which brings plenty of dj shadow isms Mm. to that song um 
and I feel like that's a song which already suited him on paper. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what I mean? When you look at the track listing, you're like, oh, Robert Smith doing Teenager, mm-hmm. that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. And Robert Smith, you know, it's basically the same song apart from, you know, the song is so subtle itself that it didn't need much more. And now I, I can't listen to it again. I think those just those two piano chords that he puts in after the end of Chino's vocal lines, they add so much to it that... I mean, you go like, is it even a remix? It's just a yeah, a, a reimagining, not even a reimagining, but a an addition to that song. And now you're like, I don't want to hear that song without those, yeah. without those piano well, parts. Well, you said that you thought the Elite remix was better than, than the original. I, I can't quite join you on that. But when it comes to Teenager, even though it's probably had the least amount done to it, just having that far more organic, warm-toned piano just does so much to that song to the point where i'm even tempted to like you know take out the original version of teenager on my copy of white pony and put this one in yeah it is um, it is better it's definitely it is, better yeah, yeah yeah it sounds um, lovely you've got the kind of broken liquid beats that salva brings to rx queen mm. that i think sound fucking awesome yeah. and then um you know knife party purity ring mm. do knife party and they bring in um megan james the the mm. vocalist mm. of of uh, of purity ring who who does the go get your knife go get your knife refrain yeah, yeah. and it just again like it's not changing the the mood of what deftones created mm. it's changing a lot of the sonics mm. but the mood of the song is still there and it's fucking great and to be honest like i had no idea that i was a bit like you i was like this will be cool to hear some people remix mm. white pony but i never thought it would be like comparable with actual white pony yeah yeah and i've listened to it enough where i'm like this is this isn't like this isn't a million miles away from being as good as white pony yeah i know i agree i think i think the um I love, I mean, I completely understand why they released Purity Ring's Knife Party first, because it's kind mm. of, it's familiar. The structure of the song is exactly the same, but that, but everything else is different. And that's what I love about it. Those, that synthy part that plays the opening, like so gorgeous. It's brilliant. You know, it is by far, for me, Knife Party is by far one of the best remixes on this record. Um, but for me, like my least favorite remix on this album is still a massive like eight out of ten. It might even be, might even be that DJ Shadow remix of um, Digital Bath. Is it? Uh, is Digital Bath? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's not me saying it's bad. It's just, it's just kind of like the least. It's. It, I think that's the one where I went yeah i know what that's going to sound like and it did sound like what i was imagining whereas yeah. so much on this album really really surprised me trevor jackson's career barely retains any semblance of the original at all mm. and has this twisted dark pulsing kind of electric reinterpretation of it i think it's great like it sounds so cool and i never ever ever imagined that i would fall so head over heels for a remix album as much as i have for this um, but I think they've got some really, really interesting artists and really interesting interpretations. I think for the most part, the artists who I've not heard of do the most interesting work. Um, I mean, you know, I, I like that Blank Mass Elite um, reinterpretation, but it's not my favourite at all. And DJ Shadow, I think, is 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 good, but not brilliant. 
Um, the square push of pink maggot is. Yeah, is... I want to talk about this. Mm. Okay, go on. Because that is the most. I think that is the one that when I first heard it, I was like, oh, as if they're ending it with this, Mm. this is shit. I was the first time I was like, fuck, this is shit. But then after a couple of listens, I'm now like a fair play to Square Pusher, who is pretty, can be pretty extreme. Mm. Square Pusher takes probably the most, the slowest and quite, I mean, well, no, there's Teenager in there, but apart from Teenager, Pink Maggot would be the other super slow Mm -hmm. very somber song on this record and just it tears it to pieces Mm -hmm. and at first i was like oh i'm not sure about this Mm -hmm. i mean he really does leave i would say that is the furthest away somebody gets from the initial the original idea of the song Mm -hmm. um in 10 minutes and he just sort of mucks around with it quite a lot and now i'm like i really i really like it now i really like the fact that he has gone in it's a two-footed knee-high challenge to Pink Maggot, mm. to give it a football terminology. Like it's no punches pulled at all. Yeah. yeah. But and, and, and getting used to it, I really like it. But it's it was such a shock mm. the first time I heard it. I think that is the one that is the furthest away from anything because, you know, putting loads of like noises all over this quite quiet, somber ending track. And... I, I half agree. I mean, the structure is 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 very very similar, and there are some songs on here where it they just they have just, you know, the 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 way that it goes from verse to chorus to verse to bridge to whatever has just been completely fucked with. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is totally different from the original. It definitely, I I didn't hate it when I first heard it, but I was like, oh, okay, that's all right, and um, it's warm. I've warmed to it quite a lot. Yeah, I now. I re- at this point I really like. It. I thought it was a yeah. bit wacky to start with, but now I think it's great. Yeah. Overall, I mean, this is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I love it. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I really did not expect to love it. Um, I mean, I suppose a lot of people might have thought that it was quite a, a contentious thing to say that Arms isn't even the best record that Deftones released in 2020. But I'm fully with you. I, I, I've i listened to Black Stallion way more than I've listened to Arms. And I've had a lot. I had Arms for a good four or five months before I had Black Stallion. So yeah. I, I absolutely love it. I, I, I love it. And I... I this idea of kind of re and I love it because it's so different, you know. Um, I think I, I spoke to someone in the Deftones camp about Black Stallion before it came out, like when I received the promo, and you know there was a little bit of like reticence. There was they were unsure about how it was going to be received because it was so different, and people don't mm-hmm. like you know, especially when something is classic and someone something is so well loved, um, people don't like it being fucked with, basically. And um, I think the fact that it has been fucked with so much is exactly why this is brilliant. Yeah, Um, I agree. I I think it's the exact opposite. I I understand their reservations. I understand why they said that. But for me, it's the complete opposite. It's because they've pushed it really, really far. And Deftones have obviously gone, you know, here's all of the stems. Here's everything that you need. Just fuck with it. Do whatever the hell you want with it i think that's brilliant and um I'd actually... i'm trying really hard not to go so take it home and fuck with it but um but i've done it now haven't i so you've done it yeah got yeah, it out of my system late. um I, I i i absolutely 
I, I love it. I never, ever, ever thought... I mean, it, not that I'm massively au fait with shitloads of remix records. I probably own less than a dozen remix records, but this is by far and away my favourite. Yeah, I'd agree. It's absolutely brilliant, and it is a perfect companion piece to, like you say, one of the best albums of the millennium. Mm-hmm. So... Well done. Black Stallion by Deftones is out now. You should definitely go and listen to it. And if you haven't, as if you're a Deftones fan, because of any of those things that we've just said, you really do you really do need to go and listen you're to really it. You're really missing it's out. Good. Yeah. yeah, for sure. As you probably want to listen to this as well. The Dirty Nil is our next album. Fuck art. <laughs> the third is a great name for a, for a record. Oh, it's brilliant. Fuck, yeah. fuck art. Uh, or fart as they could shorten it down to, if they uh, wanted to. Uh, which, which they have. They've kind of purposefully censored it in some areas, and uh, oh, yeah, it's just idea. F, but art. Yeah. The third album from the brilliantly 90s-sounding alternative rock punks from Ontario, Canada, the follow-up to 2018's Master Volume, an album that both of us were very keen on. But yeah. being completely honest with you here, Renfrey, I'd sort of forgotten about the Dirty Nil over the oh. last couple of years. I'm not sure why. I mean, I really love Higher Power when that came out. I oh. thought it was great. It was one of my favourite yeah. debuts of the time. Yeah. And I thought Master Volume was a really, really good follow-up. But for whatever reason, I just sort of forgot about the Dirty Nil a little bit. and. Okay. That was a silly, silly thing to have done. It was. Um, I think a lot of people, uh, we, we were very, very keen on Master Volume. I think a lot of people uh, seem to enjoy Master Volume even more than Higher Power. I don't think I'd quite go that far, but certainly the consistency with Dirty Nil has been very, very strong up to this point. And the consistency remains, doesn't it? Um, because, uh, spoiler alert, this is a fucking fantastic record. Um, it's... For the most part, it's business as usual, really, isn't it? You've got that same sort of sense of quite hard, aggressive punkiness with a brilliant acerbic sense of humour mixed in with it as well. The difference is is we've got a little injection of metal in a couple of songs here as well. Of course, they did um, that Metallica cover, Hit the Lights, on the bonus edition of Master Volume. Um, And that uh, seems to have opened them up to putting a few metallic isms into some of their own songs as well so stuff like doom boy um starts with a really thrashy Mm. metallic riff opening that record and it sounds absolutely brilliant i think there's a little metal injected into ride or die as well and whilst the album as a whole i I wouldn't you know i wouldn't at all call this a metal album in any way shape or form it has given them another string to their bow and I'd be very happy to see them go even further into those territories on future releases. Um, but yeah, bar that, it is kind of business as usual in the sense that like these are just great, uh, abrasive, punky, swaggery songs which have this brilliant dark humour attached to them as well. I mean, writing a song addressing a guy who stole your bike and sarcastically wishing that the brakes don't fail on them whilst they ride down a really big hill is a brilliantly inventive thing to write yeah. a song about and something that most it most it wouldn't even occur to most people to write a song mm. about that. Or sort of sarcastically going on about how you're done with drugs and saying that your life's basically really boring now as a result of that, (laughs) you know, 
um, is is a great thing to write a song about. Um, this is a record which just has not been touched by the 2020 pandemic at all. Uh, it's just, no. you know, business as usual kind of thing. Uh, I mean, it, it, in reality, it kind of was because it was recorded just as um, the States, North America is beginning to be locked down due to coronavirus. And what was supposed to be like a leisurely recording process turned into sort of a tense, mad scramble at the end to finish everything off. As a result of that, singer-guitarist Luke Bentham had to record all of his guitar parts in just two 16-hour stints, which is mental, really. Like, normally it would be... Fucking hell. Yeah, normally you'd be recording for, like, a week, maybe two, to get those sorts of guitar parts down. So um, it was affected in that sense. But in terms of, like, the actual content of the record, it's just like, nope, (laughs) this is, like, business as usual. When people accuse us us of not liking fun music... Um, you know, the, the the people who like Corey Taylor, who are trying to find an excuse for their shit taste. Um, <laughs> the Dirty Nil is a brilliant, brilliant example of like, well, no, this is fun, but it's actually quality yeah. as well. Do you like Cro-Mags and Turnstile 2? Talking about listening to Slayer in the back of a van. Yeah, like, and, then, and then that brilliant throwaway line about it's it's his mum's van and stuff like that. Like, this is, this is funny, fun party music. It's just good as well um yeah you don't don't need to make an excuse for it there's um uh hang your moon which has got this amazing kind of sugar stroke bob mold bass part that sort of opens it and then the riff is just a bit spicier than Mm. punk rock i think that's the thing with a lot of it is that what it kind of reminds me of is you know like well the foo fighters is a pretty obvious comparative point i think for this album in terms of when the foo fighters do something like breakout or white limo like when they go heavy Mm. they they have done punky songs before but they've more tended to go let's strap on a flying v and try and write a big chunky riff in the middle of this massive massive chorus and i think the dirty nil are doing that now whereas the first few records i felt like the husker do comparisons the pixies comparisons the i guess early hardcore even like the first album on higher power you had stuff that was bordering on you know minor threat and they don't really do that so much now, but they do metally metal riffs. Like they sound like they're trying to channel Celtic Frost and um, Merciful Fate and stuff like that. Yeah. Tonight. It's old school heavy metal riffs, but played amongst a kind of 90s alternative punk rock band. And I yeah. think that's really, really cool because again, that's what Dave, Dave Grohl would want to do with that. That's the sort of what Dave Grohl feels like he's aiming to do with Foo Fighters quite a lot. The way they just been off the second line in the second verse on, um, on hanging moon and go do, 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 do. It's just so <laughs> great. Like slack. Like I can't be bothered to write. I can't be bothered to write a second line for yeah. the verse. In yeah, the song. Yeah, yeah. And then they drops another massive, like chunky riff. Um, there's a song called Damage Control, which like I think the first half of it, I, I really, really like the first half of it. And it has got a bit more of that sort of crunch to it, a bit more of that menace and a bit more of those metal vibes. Mm. When you get to the second half and you've got like full on damage control starts like it's about to explode and then goes into the quiet bit of, of Pixies. And they're, they're doing this, the second half of the album, they do this great job of out weezering Weezer. Mm. right like like forget van weezer we don't need it like hello jealousy has got one of the great choruses of the year i'm calling it right now mm-hmm. this song is so good it's what it's what people who like pop punk 
think that the pop punk bands they like sound like rather than the sad wet cretinous idiots that they actually do listen to right that's what you think <laughs> pop punk sounds in your head you think of what pop punk sounds like mm. and it sounds like this is what it's meant to sound like it doesn't sound like this just fucking process john feldman crap that you like well it's, it's got a bit of grit to it hasn't it yeah so. it, it's great and then they start peeling out they only start peeing out big court like possession another massive mm-hmm. 90s mm-hmm. alternative rock banger straight out of the everclear book of melodious slacker anthems yeah. um comfortably the bit like they're up against paul mccartney this week Paul fucking McCartney and they are out chorusing Paul McCartney. Oh yeah. Easy. Uh, like by they're lapping him. Yeah. Easy. Like, it, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, there's not really loads and loads to say about this album other than it is eleven more really funny, fun, excellently craft crafted punky pop rock nuggets mm. from this band who specialise in doing that whilst adding a slightly harsher metallic guitar tone to parts of it. And if that sounds like your bag, and it probably does really, because, you know, why why wouldn't it? Mm. Um, I think you'll bloody love this. Uh, uh, is there enough dynamics on this record to keep me interested in the album as a full? I mean, it's 35 minutes long. It's 11 tracks. The longest song on the record is four minutes and 36 which is the guy who stole my bike and that is comfortably the longest song it's you know about a minute longer than the second longest song it's, and... it's actually also my favorite song on the record purely because the reason why it's so long is it has an absolutely wonderful mid-paced guitar solo melodic guitar solo sort of mm. in the vein of the guitar solo for when i come around by green day but even better yeah. uh, and it is by far and away the best moment of the record in my opinion i love all oh, right that. okay i love it i would say the chorus of hello jealousy which again like you know there's nothing the chorus of hello jealousy is nothing that hasn't been being written by mm. you know everyone from the cars onwards yeah that kind of punk rock new wave punk rock alternative rock chorus i don't i like i say you know the reason i like acdc is not for the same reason as i like uh at all you know and i think are these songs good and well-written songs yeah absolutely yeah, they really are good. i mean if you've had if you if you've had two albums of it and you're like that's all I need, really. I could understand why you'd think, yeah, I don't really need a third album of this. Yeah. And, you know, it's well made, but again, maybe a bit like Paul McCartney, like this isn't mm. going to, probably isn't going to change anyone's life unless it's the first time they've heard the Dirty Nil. And maybe, you know, for younger people, if this is a breakthrough record for them, it could be an album th- that introduces a load of people to a certain style i don't i don't know i don't I mean, know with a title like fuck art i doubt it will be <laughs> probably not yeah you're probably right but you know something that i think is absolutely brilliant about the dirty nil that they have over so many of their other bands is the personality that comes through their writing 
Um, mm. Luke is such a phenomenal kind of singer in his attitude and his style. Um, you've seen these guys live a few times, right? Like, yeah, it, like, blowing bubblegum. Blowing bubblegum. Like, he looks so fucking cool. Like, it's even better live. And, you know, I, I am saddened by the fact that obviously in the current climate, we're not going to be able to see these songs live for a long time. And whilst Dirty Nil are a brilliant on record, and I've got nothing bad to say about them on record, live is where they really really thrive um but it's not their fault that's how the cookie crumbles and you know um i think the amount of personality that comes through in their songs and songwriting when you compare it to a another pop punk band we're sort of saying pop punk quite a lot i'm not i'm not totally convinced dirty nil are a pop punk band but i think they have lots of similarities with lots of bands that are in that field which is why i think we're we're making those comparisons um in in that they're a punky band who have really melodic poppy choruses i guess um but they inject a very distinct personality into it and i think that is what makes them so much better than 90 percent of other bands out there that are doing what they're doing yeah i i agree i mean the thing is is i reckon possibly the fact that i mean i might about to be about to contradict myself but i think the fact that i've just haven't listened to dirty neil for a couple of years and this came on i was like oh yeah this band are great you know maybe there's not as much staying power as um as i kind of thought there was i mean it will be interesting to see if i keep i i i feel like i will keep listening to this record for the rest of the year oh yeah i hope so i i feel like this is good enough that i would want to keep on listening to these songs for the rest of the year and i've never had anything bad to say about the dirty nil and you know you know certainly um higher power when it came out i listened to that for that whole year i think that got in my top 20 albums of the year come the end of the year and then for whatever reason i don't know why it didn't i've just not really gone in so much on um on the second record and you know i don't want it so i don't know we'll see but in terms of like i mean i'm i don't neither of us are like calling james out about his review for kerrang or whatever giving it it three k's in any way at all um and he you know he, he might just be like i don't I, these are quite straightforward songs and mm. the very best bands at doing that you listen to it and you go this is great but then you carry on wanting to listen to it you know the reason we all still listen to the blue album and pinkerton and dookie and you know whatever else you want to chuck in there um all these years later is because they are a standard above this so mm. i guess mm. time will tell mm. whether the dirty nils discography has that level of longevity i know that when i put it on the first time i was like oh this is great mm. and i'm still in that place you know five or six listens into it where i'm yep. like man these songs kill they're just uh, so great yeah, yeah but i guess we'll see i mean do do they need to do, they, they feel like they're i mean god i don't really want to compare them to are they as good as the, the shit on you know do little or whatever that feels quite unfair for me to even try and compare them to it but i would like to think that there is longevity just in the fact that these songs are really 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 good yeah yeah it should be enough shouldn't it it should be enough um who knows i don't know i don't know the reality of these situations really i think sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't but um but i think it's fucking great and i put this album on it and it it just makes me smile like it it just lifts me up and makes me laugh and i i I just feel better for having listened to it and Mm that's wonderful sometimes that's all you need from music 
like from anything. Absolutely. So yeah. So apart from a thousand gex, you know, need more of them. <laughs> mm. Well, that didn't make you smile, did it at all? No. That made you want to jump in a swimming pool filled with acid. It made me want to kill everyone under twenty-five. Like <laughs> 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 in full Stuart Lee. Yeah. Uh, all right, fuck up by Dirty Neil is out now. Let's go on and do our last album of the week, which comes from a band called Casador. The album is called Acceptance Stroke Isolation. It is the third, I believe full-length album from the Boston-based post-sludge metal band. I've got to be honest, never heard of them before. Is it the third? I hope it's the second, because that's what I put in my Metal Hammer review. But um, yeah, who knows? Okay. Uh, Maybe it is. Who knows? (laughs) I'm more likely to have got it wrong than you. They definitely had three albums that had at least six songs on it. And with the sort of the lengthiness of i mean this is could be this could be an ep because first well, you know for us post sort of post sludge band this is only 20 something minutes long and it's 23 minutes long it's 23 minutes and 32 seconds and if we're getting straight into it one of the few criticisms i had of this record was that it's so short they are calling it an album or at least that's what i that was the impression that i got from the promo materials when i reviewed it um but yeah i mean really it is a kind of ep length uh i brought it in because um yes as i said i reviewed it for metal hammer and uh no i hadn't heard of them either um i thought it would be right up your street they are a band who uh are from boston massachusetts from that boston massachusetts scene which is you know hailed the likes of Converge, Cave-In, Isis, etc, etc. And um, I think they share a lot of similarities with those bands, but even more besides as well. There's a lot of kind of, there's a lot of uh, dynamics on this record and a lot of, you know, it starts out and I'm sure you received it and was like, okay, a record from Rent Free. And it does sound like it could be a post-rock record when you uh when you press play on it but then a minute later it's turned into some sludgy kind of uh really really metal album i think they do a lot in 24 minutes and i was i was personally really really impressed with this record considering the like how young they are and like um i i thought there was a lot of things going on in a kind of similar way to say pine in that they'll have um a part of the song which is very light and very ethereal and reverb drenched guitar lines and very quiet and then they will go into something really really heavy although Casador do it in half the time I think um as someone who absolutely adores the just heavy music from Boston Massachusetts in general I really wanted Mm. to bring this in to you and I was wondering what you thought of it yeah I mean it's it's weird this being on this week because it's comfortably the um well it's the most extreme and it's also the least uh instantaneous album it's a pretty instantaneous week that we've had this week i think it's a lot of stuff where you can put it on straight away and you know pretty much whether or not you're going to like it after a listen yeah i reckon there's probably bits on black stallion that don't jump out at you straight away but for the most part you could go yeah i get this i know these songs off we go whereas this is quite a lot of slow moving um quite driving brutal riffy stuff and 
it, it did end. It sort of ended as I was getting to the point where I felt like I was getting in the groove of it mm. or I was getting into the headspace of it. It ended. Yeah, I wanted more. I definitely wanted more. And I was really... Yeah, it definitely does sound like an EP rather than an album. But like I say, certainly in my review, that was my only criticism of it. And surely if your only criticism of something is it's too short, that's quite uh, that's quite a good thing, is it not? Yes, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, I think heavy music of, of um, well, heavy music in general, like I've spoken about a lot of times before in the podcast i think can do brevity is always is a is a better thing with really heavy music than stretching shit out forever i mean there's only as much as we all like listening to you know through silver and blood uh and the 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 long songs that are on it mm-hmm. um or tall are they tall aren't as heavy as you know some of the shit that we normally talk about i always would usually go for kind of brevity over that but there's something about getting swept up i found you know the opening song blindfold which is a minute and 36 seconds Mm -hmm. and it sort of lulled me into a false sense of security because i thought oh this is going to be something different to what it actually is and then when they start going and looking at it you know like Karoshi, for me, the last track on it is the best track on it. And probably why I liked, I, I was like, oh, is that it? Is because I really felt like that, that does the thing. Like these bands who take a long time to build up, when they really whip themselves up into a frenzy and that riff really starts to get in your mind, because it can be, it can take, I think it sometimes it just takes a couple of minutes before they really build up enough momentum and a bit a real head of steam and that's why a lot of these songs and a lot of these bands do have hour plus long like cult of lunar albums of 75 minutes or whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you need to get whipped up into that frenzy and Karoshi like really did whip me up into and i was like oh this is great riff and it's just building it feels like it's building it just felt like it was it sort of enveloping you and i didn't I th- get that throughout the entire ep i did feel like i were points where i was like oh you know i could have i actually could have done with more of that well just to interject there i i think one of the things that i responded to really positively with this record is i thought that it started well like i liked the beginning of the record Mm. and i agree with you it just gets better as it goes on to the point where tough love and karoshi for me are by far the two best songs on the record yeah i agree Um, with that um I think um, it's cool to, like, a lot of people will, the criticism that a lot of people will have about music like this is it takes too long for things to build. I think what is nice about this record, because it's only 24 minutes long, they don't allow themselves too much time to build, and yet it still has a, I'm not going to say exactly the same, but a very similar effect to what bands like Cult of Luna or Neurosis do. And I think that is a really difficult thing to pull off. And I was really, really surprised. You know, I yeah, thought that's yeah, really yeah, yeah. impressive. Yeah, I, and what I will say is it, it was good enough to make me go straight through and listen to Failure to Thrive, which is their album from last year. I don't know if you've heard that. Yes, I have. Yeah, I, I actually thought that was a bit better, to be honest. Oh, okay. I didn't, but yeah, okay, fair enough. Mm. I do like it. Um, yeah, I thought that was uh, a like. I thought it hit those those harder, heavier points with more regularity. To be mm-hmm. honest, mm-hmm. okay. Um, but I think this is. But the fact that I listened to it after listening to this probably, 
you know, says that it's not like I listened to this and went, oh, poo, poo, ee, ee, no, yuck, sure, go sure, away. Sure. Um, I think this is pretty good. Okay. I think this is, I think this is pretty good. I think it starts off and there are points in it that, like I say, blindfold sort of cough, caught me off guard a little bit. And I think after that, I thought I was in for something that I didn't really get. But then by the time I got to tough love at the end, I was like, yeah, this is, you know, like I say, that last riff on Karoshi is fucking great. Um, I think that's why I liked it because it, it set me up to do one thing and then it did something. It surprised mm. me, you know. Mm. Um, I can understand that reaction, but I, I like the fact that I was surprised by it, um, which, I mean, you know, uh, so many of the releases that I do have to review for Metal Hammer, I'm often not surprised by. Um, <laughs> let's just say that. So, you know, and, and I, I found that really refreshing. And certainly, I mean, the the press release... Um, mentioned that they were one of the best kept secrets in boston massachusetts and you know you read this sort of stuff in press releases all the time it's like yeah yeah but after listening to the album i kind of believed it i was like yeah i can totally i was really i was just really 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 impressed i don't think it's the absolute finished article but for a band who are you know relatively young in the i mean the first thing that they ever released came out 2015 so you know they're not like brand brand new but they're relatively like they've not been going crazy crazy long and i think they have some really interesting um songwriting techniques and they are really really dynamic and they go to loads of different places and like i said yeah like you say those last two songs like when they're at their absolute best they do some incredible stuff i'd love to see converge take them out or something like that i mean that would mm. be a, it'd be a brilliant support bill for that kind of thing yeah yeah, I, I mean, there are three pieces as well. I don't know yeah, if you've really said that, now. but yeah, there are three pieces. So I think they would be, you know, very much in the vein of that, like maybe today is a day levels of in mm. power. <laughs> I was going to say power trio, but that makes you think of like the police or something like that, <laughs> um, which is very definitely not. But like, I can imagine this being really cool live. Yeah. To be able to imagine, at the moment, I can imagine everything being really cool live because I would like <laughs> to see something live. But you know, yeah, then with Converge was, would be would be fucking excellent. And I think this is a this is a good EP that excels at the end for me is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. I was sort of hoping they did seem like a good band. Yeah, I I I think I I I I think considering that they've been around five years, I, I was really impressed with this i was really impressed with like how far they've come in that time and how many things that they've brought out they have a a number of different releases certainly there's quite a few Mm. eps and stuff and i've listened to most of them and they all have really really good stuff on them so um and uh yeah like you said you hadn't heard of them before i knew absolutely nothing about them and i thought it was worth bringing them to the table oh definitely worth bringing them to the table Yes. And if you're a fan of the stuff that Renfrew's just been talking about, then I think you will uh, you will definitely enjoy this band because they are very good. Um, so there you go. That's Acceptance Isolation by Cazador. That's out now as well. Uh, that actually came out at the end of 2020, I believe, didn't it? It came out December 4th, 2020. Yeah, so that's been out a little bit as well. Thanks very much for listening. That's the end of the show. We want to say goodbye now. So... <laughs> i've never said it like that before we want to say goodbye do you mind if we say goodbye is that all right Um, next week on the show we're going to be reviewing albums from taylor swift alpha male tea party 
Gone is Gone and another Thou and Emma Ruth Rundle collaboration. So that's, again, a fairly mixed bag. Go over to signaturebrew.co.uk, put Riot Act in the checkout and get 10% off of your very own pub. Mm. Turn your house into a pub. Go on, I dare you. Go on. What? Can't, you're too scared? Pathetic. Sorry. I, don't I, thought, know I thought one of your resolutions was to not be antagonistic to the listeners. <laughs> no, no, it's to be more antagonistic. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. I yeah. see. Okay, good. Um, thanks to them. Also, go over to patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast where you can sign up for all that exclusive content that we mentioned at the top of the show. Just a little recap. Beatles White Album is there. 1000 Gex by 100 Gex is there in the Rioters review. You will be getting jane's addiction on monday and you should be getting the white stripes elephant as well Mm -hmm. at some point during the next week so busy 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 Busy, we are aren't we busy busy let's get busy as city used to say oh he didn't say it because he was matthew said it didn't he matthew said it yeah or sue yeah maybe sue maybe sue sorry hold on did Mm -hmm. you just go quaw at sue you fancy a (laughs) panda hand puppet did you (laughs) no no no, let's have this conversation off air because uh, I, don't I was going to say this is this is great content for right at the very end of the show. <laughs> but unfortunately, you guys, you don't get to hear it. Sometimes, well, sometimes. Oh, can... I was going to end the show right then. That would have been a great end to the show, and you've carried well, sometimes on. Sometimes you can be attracted to a voice, can't you? You know. Yeah, the voice of a panda puppet. <laughs> Fine. See you later.